What's up, everybody? I hope everybody is bombed this week, like doing so well, doing more than well, doing um, uh, better than the last few weeks, just because it's been such a tumultuous uh, turn of events with so much going on. And at the same time, whenever I throw out questions, um, when, whenever I throw out Whenever I throw out to my fam out there, my audience, what it is that you want me to talk about when it comes to the podcast, a lot of you have been really stressing about finances because of the pandemic, because of the turn of events, because of um, job security. And I've even had a lot of friends who don't have a job to go back to because their, their, their situations have changed or their buildings have burnt down in the riot. I mean, it, it's really hard times out there. And I felt this was an urgent need to talk about finances and bring an expert into the room that can help us at least just process the situation we're in and get some organization so that we don't feel overwhelmed with our thoughts and our concerns. So introduced to the room, Miss Amanda Clayman. Amanda is a financial therapist, and she also has a great podcast where, podcast where she's offering financial advice all, to, all the time. And I'm so excited to have you here, Amanda. You're going to teach us so much today, and I'm thankful for your presence. Thanks, Jeannie. I'm excited to dive in. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's just start with one of your Instagram posts that immediately made me say, okay, I've got to have this sister on because I've got to learn about what she means by this. And that is when you put the phrase financial therapy together. So to me, finances is the number one thing that brings about the stress and has nothing to do with feeling therapeutic. But you put those words together. Why? Well, that's the funny thing. I actually became a therapist specifically because I wanted to help people with the role of money in their ah. lives. Because I feel like the way that we talk about money, the way that we we conceive of what it means to, to manage money, we're always thinking that it's about information. But actually, so much of our money is emotional. It's about our relationships. It's about yeah. like healthy boundaries or being able to stay emotionally regulated when we're trying to analyze options and make decisions. So, so it's not like, I'm, I'm not an advisor on like, here's how much you should save. And this is how you pay off your student loans the fastest. I'm, I'm really getting into the mess with people of, of if you don't know what to do, why, what, like what gets in the way when you're trying to, to get information. Um, if you know what you should do, what happens when you're trying to do that? Like, where do you get stuck? Like, those are all of the places that I, I hold space and work with people because I feel like those are the parts that often get ignored and we don't have support. And so we don't know how to help ourselves. Right. And then that can often defeat you and make you feel stuck and complacent because you don't know what the next step is. So what I picture is you're kind of like, you're kind of like unclogging those areas where you feel um, 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 a roadblock so yeah. that you can just thoughtfully begin to process the rest. I love it. Oh my God, that, that, that's so helpful. So let's start with the area of the pandemic, even though that feels like so far of a topic ago, but we still are going through it. Um, personally, I think the new pandemic is racism. That's what the pandemic has always been about, but it's another podcast. Um, but that pandemic has left people with great uncertainty in their areas of finance. Um, let's first talk about our current financial situation. What are there any tips to what we should be doing when it comes to securing the funds we have and the things we shouldn't be doing so that we are not ignorant to some things that are being spent that we don't need to be spending on or, or the way that our money might be draining somewhere that we're not aware of. 
So those are all excellent questions. And so I'd like to sort of start by answering with thinking about how we approach those questions. Okay. Like, are we approaching those questions like my money, here's a problem. It's stressing me out. I feel terrible about it. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. So this is coming at me as a problem to be solved. Or are we meaning like, we just want to get the information we want to do it. And then we want to be done with it versus here's something for me to look at. What I want to do first before I try to change anything is I want to be able to understand this. I want to make sure I'm in a balanced place to be able to be flexible, to be able to identify what my resources are, what my options are, et cetera. So like, so, so to really be in the process and that's something that, that actually we can control no matter what's happening with our money. What we can seek to stabilize first is the process by which we engage with our money so that we are giving ourselves the best shot to be able to do the tasks that we need to do in order to make sure that we have a better financial outcome, like that we are stabilizing, mm. that we are making good decisions that aren't only decisions about like, the numbers in column A line up with the numbers in column mm. B, but it's also like a lot of us are doing some huge soul searching right now about who we are and who we want to be and, and maybe things that had been really automatic for us before choices that we had made. We're really thinking about like, is that the kind of choice I want to make going forward? So this right. is also giving us a chance to like integrate those those kinds of thoughts and those shifts in values along with what we're trying to, to get the numbers to do, to line up. So can you, can you um, bullet point that? What is that question or those series of questions we first ask ourselves before we kind of tackle how we should be saving our money? So first we want to start with safety, obviously, like, like values we can get to, but we want to make sure that we're safe first and foremost. So, so what is that? Look it, it, begins with gathering information. That's the first step. We want to be able to look at like how much we have, how much we're spending. Um, so what those resource, resources are, obligations, if there are things that might be, we might be able to shift, you know, like, like if you have a mortgage, a lot of lenders are offering um, like to put payments onto the end of your mortgage or some landlords are working with people on rent, student loans, et cetera. So we're gathering all the information that we can about what we have and what mm. our options are. Mm. The next step in that is we wanna be able to analyze what those scenarios are. And part of analyzing those scenarios is really helpful in helping us not feel trapped, right? Because a lot of us are like, this is the way that I usually go and that way is blocked. When yeah. we are analyzing our options, it's not only about having like a plan A and a plan B, it's also about giving ourselves the, the emotional space. This creates a sense of, of, you know, it's reducing our fight, flight, or freeze response. Um, and it's also, again, like not making this problem to be solved, like, here's what's wrong, here's what I'm going to jump to. So we keep ourselves in that, that step. Um, and then we can sort of plan through different options of what we want to do and decide, prepare and act. And then we gather information again. So this is a cycle that works great in a crisis. Yeah. But it's also good just kind of in general to get us out of like, I am stressed. My objective is to not be stressed. So I'm going to try to attack this money thing right. into more of like a flow and a dialogue that feels more healthy and grounded and, and where we're in control. And you also just helped me to compartmentalize the issue so that it feels more manageable from each level. Mm -hmm. So I love that series of question. Okay. What next after that? So that's sort of where we, we get 
we get idea. into more, like a groove with our money too. Like, yeah. like we're, we're not trying to just manage it and dominate it. We're right. trying to be in dialogue with what's happening with our money so that we can ask right. ourselves those questions. Um, after that, that's when it stuff that will come up during that process is stuff about our values. Like what feels right to me? What's important to me? What do I want my money to say yes to? Cause that's a big problem. A lot of people think that that budgets are like a tool of no, it's all about what you can't have. But really like when we change our mindset, we're able to think like, what do I want my money to say yes to? What's most important to me? Not just what everybody says that I should do, but what's most mm. important to me. And that's what we want to be purposeful and direct our money toward growing and empowering. Ah, growing and empowering. That's a good, um, that's a good filter because I was wondering, I'm like, if I ask my friends that, will all of them answer in the right way? Because I think a lot of my friends would have said a nice Manny Petty would be what I need to budget towards. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but I'm, I'm also wondering for each person's financial situation, how do you, what kind of filtering words should you use to make sure that you're, you're budgeting for the things that are super necessary, right? So I love what you said, growing and empowering. Is it growing and empowering your vision, your plans, your goals, right? Your, self-care, your, care is, self-care is great. There's no, yeah. like, you know, no shame on Manny Patties. In fact, like when people need because all of this has a, a transformative psychological effect too, right? Like for a lot of us, we feel so ashamed about like, oh, it's bad that I spend so much money on this or on myself. But like that is your shame around self-care talking. This is not inherently good or bad. So when, and what people tend to do in that situation is they don't think about budgeting for those things. Mm. They just kind of do it when they need it. And then they feel bad about it versus saying like, you know what? I'm using my money to take care of myself. I'm responsible for my choices. I like think of it as like standing like Oprah in your, in your power when it comes to making these kinds of decisions. So like I put that money there and I do not need to feel bad about it because I'm also putting money toward these other things. Like I don't have to compromise. What I'm trying to do is integrate as many things that are valuable to me as possible. Ooh, I like that. I really, really like that. When it comes to coming out of this quarantine or having your job decided for you based on the situations that be um, mm-hmm. with the riot and, and with companies, you know, um, shifting in their conditions, let's say you have to figure out you've got to go get another job or you've got to, or you're not happy with your job. You realize that you're actually not looking forward to go back, going back to work. And maybe in this time of, the quarantine and you know the, the the current events you've you've recognized another side of you because i've noticed this a lot of my friends they're like i'm coming out of this different i don't actually look forward to going back to my job um or it feels empty or you know I, but but that transition at such an uncertain time of going to look for another job is also really scary and daunting what what would you say to people like that i think it's Sometimes we're so afraid of having the emotion or having to be responsible for the emotion that we don't even let ourselves mm. go there. It's like, I, do, I just need to, to buckle down and be grateful that I have this job. Like all of that is, is a way of cutting ourselves off. Whereas if we say like, I don't like my job right now, but it's a means to an end. It keeps me safe. I'm going to use that time to be able to think about what's most important to me. So we don't have to rush through it. Like like part of this financial wellness work is around learning to tolerate the feelings that come up and not be overwhelmed by them such that we react to them really impulsively. So it's like, 
you know, my goal in this job is to save up X number of months into savings because at that end to do some research on other things, like, like maybe you start a side hustle. Like there are lots of things that you can do to be in development and keep yourself moving towards something and protecting yourself financially and having a goal that's still related so that you're ready to jump. And you've been, you've been in charge of that direction. That's a really good piece of advice. Um, I didn't realize that it actually helps you just just to embrace the emotion because that alone can make you a little, um, it can cause havoc in your mind to actually go and make the next step of, of deciding whether or not you should go and pursue a new job. Mm-hmm. That's and super helpful. I think that we're, you know, it's part of our, like we talk so much about financial literacy, but there's an emotional literacy too around money that I think helps. And people are always so worried about like, how do I teach my children about money? Like part of what we can, we can teach ourselves and, and teach our children is like how to sit with the feelings of being in a dilemma around when, when there's competition for what's important to you, like, like being able to pay your rent and, and buy food, et cetera. Like that's important. We need to manage that. Even as we might have other things that are really important to us that we want to work toward. And how do we try to make those things fit together without having to say, well, this one's important. So I'm just going to pretend the other one doesn't exist. Right. Absolutely. Do you feel that financial nervousness, uneasiness right now, are there things that we're doing that are making it worse? You're just making me think right now of just not organizing in your mind is, is, or, or just not allowing yourself to feel the emotion can be one. What are other ways that you're kind of, um, you're, you're growing the exhaustion or the fear of it in your mind? What else could you be doing or what other elements could be adding to that? Well, for a lot of us, the way that we do money is all about a stress cue and then a behavioral response, meaning like, oh, I'm very stressed about this thing that's happening with my money. Therefore, it's time for me to like get out my bills, look at these numbers, et cetera. And if we're not feeling that stress, we are not looking at our numbers. So that there's a saying, what fires together, wires together. In that way, we are making money and stress. We, we are reinforcing that relationship in our brain when we continue to do that. Right now, there's a lot of stuff happening with our money, no doubt about it. But there's also a million other stressors that are in our environment right now. And if if what people are trying to do is ease stress by trying to control something, but but control is one of the things we're really lacking right now because we don't know what the future is going to be, um, that can be really painful. And what I've seen a lot of people doing right now is sometimes being impulsive in a way that is self-destructive because they think as long as this feeling of being uncomfortable is with me, then I need to be looking for some task around money to do. So they're not able to be grounded enough to make good decisions. They're tinkering. They're looking for like, here's a, a, here's a thing that I heard about how you can get out of this. Or somebody said, just don't pay your rent or somebody, you know, like there are lots of things that we will do that are like busy work with money that are not always the right thing to do when it would be much more helpful to be like, here's my list of good things that I can do with my money. And when I'm done with that list, then I, then I step away and I look for other ways to calm, calm myself down, whether that's calling a friend, whether that's, you know, taking a bubble bath, like we treat the stress 
by treating the stress and not trying to treat the stress by doing something with our finances. Mm. Gosh, that's so helpful. All right, we got to take a break. But when we come back, I want to ask you about this term you've coined called money story. So we're going to dig into that because it sounds like that's a very important understanding to then tackle your finances after. So when we get back from the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Listen, Honey. I am with financial therapist, Amanda Clayman, who is breaking it down to us how to just process these thoughts and have a healthy relationship with our finances. All in your mind, by the way, which is so helpful. So I want to ask you about money story. You posted on your gram, what is your money story? And I want to understand what does that mean and why is that important? So human beings make sense out of their world by telling themselves stories. Like that is how our brain encodes memory is what is the story that we're telling ourselves. And the thing about a money story is that it is kind of your explanation about events, number one, but the purpose of having a money story is that it helps us be able to predict what we think is going to happen next. It's a way of explaining the world. So like an example of a money story um, that I'm hearing more and more of right now is like, I put my heart and soul into this business and then my business disappeared in the blink of an eye. And that just goes to show you that you shouldn't, you can't trust anybody to take care of you. Like no matter ah. how hard you work, right. it can just evaporate. Um, another money story is like the, the government is out to get you, right? No matter what, so all of these are sort of like they set us up to be able to to look for evidence that confirms the thing that we already believe. And it's hard because we don't always notice our money stories. And a lot of money stories are, are coming from our families. We inherit these money stories about like oh, rich yeah. people are bad yes, or poor people are lazy. Like yes. this is these things, they come from our families. They come from our cultures. Um and sometimes we notice them when maybe a story that we have heard a lot doesn't match up with what we experience in our lives. Like if, you've, if you have been taught that a good job is the only way to be financially secure, but you feel called to do something more creative and maybe more risky in your life, like you might really struggle with how to reconcile, how to create stability with the job that you you've chosen as opposed to creating a new story for yourself around i'm going to develop skills to be flexible and responsive and to diversify the kinds of skills that i have in my work and like we can just shift our mindset to be able to tell ourselves a different story because even though we 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 get programmed in this particular way we do have control to shape that mm. narrative yeah Oh, that's, that's so true. And I'm realizing it's actually no different than implicit bias. Like 
a lot of the things we learn are just from either hearing it, being said in our household, growing up with it, the, you know, the, the, the image of your experience doesn't necessarily mean that's the truth out there. Um, and you're actually bringing me to one of my favorite books about finances, which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think a great book everybody should read. But I was the poor dad story. And, um, and he, just, he just was taught money very differently than Rich Dad. And then when I really looked outside of it, a lot of Asian Americans think of money in that same way where you, they don't even, a lot of people keep cash in, underneath their mattresses. I shouldn't probably say that. But they do. They keep money in weird places because they, they're like the white man, the bank is going to take it away. And so I actually thought that. I grew up not having credit cards. So I, even though I dodged not having credit bills and um, debt, I had no credit cards to buy a car and to you know get a house later on. So yeah, that's really interesting to know your money story. So how do you get the truth of what is real about money and break, down, break out what you thought about from your story? Well- one of the things that we can do is when we start to notice these stories pop up and these stories usually just come about as a kind of like, Oh, I always knew that blah, 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 blah. Like it's, it's kind of the, the explanation of events that your, yeah. your brain wants to, to fill in there. So we start to be on the lookout for it, notice when it's popping up. And then we can ask ourselves what evidence am I seeing right now in this situation that confirms my money story? And what evidence am I seeing right now that goes against what this story is telling me? So we start to, to challenge that story a little bit. And then we can also ask ourselves, how is this story serving me? How's it helping me? And how is it holding me back? And that last piece is really important. Like in your example, when you're like, I didn't have credit cards, I couldn't get a car. Like there are all these ways that we can start to say, look, story, I get it. Your job is to try to keep me safe, to try to keep me sort of moving efficiently through the world by telling me what I, I should set myself up to expect. Mm -hmm. But, but this is a belief. It's not, it's not a fact. And we can step away from it and think what other belief would serve my life better if I was to really cultivate that. And, and similarly, like, like as you're moving away from your old story and starting a new one, like, like if it, what would be a more positive way of looking at money compared to the story that you, you came up with? Like if you were Jeannie, if you were to give that words, what, what, what words would you say? If I were to put a more, more positive spin on my real story of money. Yeah. Yeah. That rather than saying my dad was a slave to the dollar, I would say my dad has always been a hardworking, blue-collar type employee who could have been taught how to invest money instead of just scrimping and pinching every dollar. Is that Was that a good job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, okay. That like it was about his worldview helped keep him safe, helped raise you. And now you can take that and you can continue to build on it. Like, yeah. Like what's the kind of thing that you want to tell yourself about money that you think will be affirmative and growth oriented for you and your, ah, like what's okay. your relationship with money going to be? Got it. Mm. That's a great Yes, that's a great start is to put a positive spin so you don't kind of start from 
like the loser's box already. You're not already putting yourself in a, right. in a place where you feel defeated. Absolutely. Okay, so can you give us some pretty key steps when it comes to, number one, understanding your money story and depicting it in a way that is affirming your experience and your perspective on it. Then number two, recognizing and owning your emotion around finances so that you can process the pieces that are just emotional right now and the places that are the pieces that are that are that just need some logic and some advice in order to kind of know how to 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 move accordingly what are the next steps to what are the next steps that are best coming out of a pandemic that we wouldn't normally have thought of I think the first thing that we should do is embrace this as an opportunity. Like, like mm, instead of treating yes. it as this has destroyed the plan that I had or the path that I was on, like this is, this is a chance for all of us to reassess and reevaluate and say, okay, the path that I was on, this is a learning experience. Like I was making choices because I thought I would have a certain outcome. Now I see that that outcome can be different than what I thought. Like, does that change what I want to do moving forward? Do I want to get right back on the track that I was on? And this is just, you know, an, a difficult detour period or an interrupt. Yeah. A detour. Or do I want to say, huh, I, I was making these sacrifices in my life because I thought that I was, I was safe, but now I see that those sacrifices maybe didn't keep me as safe as I had thought. So do I want to, is it worth the sacrifice? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, so we can, we can think about those things. We don't have to rush to answer it. We can go right back to getting a job that we had before that we maybe didn't like so much. Like that can absolutely be the plan while we figure out a next step. But I think asking ourselves those questions are important. Um, another thing in, in this particular sort of like time of so much change is it's really hard for the planners. People who love to plan are really devastated right now because that, that's their preferred coping strategy and it's not available in the way that they uh, wish that it was right now. So I think cultivating a, a new strength around flexibility and resilience is important. So like reminding ourselves that, that we can do hard things, that we like call back to other hard times in your life or situations that were tough that you got through and think, what did I learn in those situations that I can remember that I know how to do? Um, it might be like, I know how to just think about what's in front of me without thinking too far in the future. I know that I need to make sure that I feel connected to my community in this period. Um, so we, we keep ourselves flexible and especially with money, we're keeping ourselves in dialogue with our money. Like, okay, what's happening with my money this week? What's happening with my money this month? Um, so that we can keep ourselves on track to keep developing these decisions as opposed to, I'm going to figure out my plan and then I'm going to put that plan in a drawer and I'm just going to move forward. Amazing. Does that make sense? Yes, it absolutely does. It actually feels like if you process those questions, the next step gets a little easier because of then because again, then you're confronting the issues and you're already placing a more positive perspective on everything to guide yourself through the next harder questions. Totally. And we're not trying to rush through and get done. You're never going to be done with money. Right? right. You'll get through this phase and then something will shift and then you'll get through the next phase. So so we don't want to try to just like white knuckle our way 
right through to some answer like like we can also do things to keep ourselves from getting overwhelmed and to stay safe in the moment too like like limiting the amount of time that we spend on this if this is something you don't like to do and i fully understand that not everybody geeks out and like goes on this money journey the way that i like to but if you just want to get your money done like you can say all right, I'm going to do this for a half an hour a week. And like you set the timer oh. and whatever you get to in that half hour, like that's your money time. And you can yeah. keep yourself like on a half an hour because you're not afraid that if I just open this thing called money, it'll overwhelm me. I'll be sitting in this chair for 17 hours trying to fix it. Right. Because that's one of the things that makes us too scared to do it if it's going to be overwhelming. So we want to take control over how to make this fit in our life with everything else that we have going. Absolutely. Amanda, what would you say in closing are three of the worst things you can do right now coming out of the pandemic, still going through the pandemic, whatever's happening by the time this podcast airs, but what are the three worst things you can do financially? And what are the three strongest tips you have at this time? I think one of the worst things that you can do is to look too far in the future. I think just give yourself the the benefit of space right now. Um, I think number two is is not putting boundaries on the way that we engage with money. Um, so again, you're you're giving that that demon in your brain that that's saying if I'm stressed, then I need to work on something with money. Like you're just letting that demon run wild when you do that. So so keeping a boundary on it. Um, and I think. Number three would probably be around um, isolation with this. Like I'm seeing a lot of people suffering right now and we're so used to keeping money stuff private because we, we have a lot of feelings, especially shame around money. Um, but this is a time I think hopefully that, that people are a little bit more open because it's happening to so many of us to maybe look at how that behavior of keeping this so private was serving you and how it was getting in your way. And, and if you wanna really change that and make this a, something more open. Um, the three best things that you can do, I think are to, to help support yourself in being flexible around this and not, not rushing to have a solution, but trying to stay open and adaptive as the situation evolves, because it's really right. evolving. Um, I think another thing that we can really do is look at this as an opportunity to build good habits with money. Again, so not, not focused on outcomes, but focused on our behavior and things that we can control. Like what's, what does a healthy habit with money look like? And number three is like, what direction in my life is, is money pointing me toward? Cause I'm a, a big believer that money often shows up in our lives as like a problem that's actually pointing us toward a way that we need to grow as a human being. So like what lesson is money pointing me at right now and how do I want it to deal with a crisis? Um, but also look at that as not just ending the crisis, but more as like, what is this crisis opening the door to into another direction that I, I want to grow? Oh, so sensible and so logical. Amanda, this is so helpful. Thank you. So where can we follow you for more of this great wisdom and also to support your work? So uh, you can find me on Instagram at Amanda Clayman, on Twitter at Amanda Clay, and my website, amandaclayman.com. Amazing. Oh, and my, also your my podcast. Yeah, my podcast. Yeah, your podcast. Too. Um, so I just did a special series with uh, Death, Sex, and Money on WNYC, a financial therapy podcast. 
and there you can you can actually hear me counseling people like there there are sessions that we did around um, different issues and and challenges that people are dealing with around this wow. pandemic. And is that link in your bio on your gram? Yes. Okay, perfect. That's a great way for us to go there. Oh, you're so thankful. I, I'm so thankful for this time with you. Money is the most daunting thing right now uh, that people are worried about coming out of this. And on top of that, we have the huge learning lesson and experience of racism and how we are allying and how are we educating ourselves and how are we informing ourselves and our family members to move differently and how are we making progress towards an efficient solution so that history doesn't repeat itself. So yes, all of that, I understand that times can be hard out there, everybody. And I just want you to know that I have been very mindful to make a list actually daily of my privileges. And I'm, I'm not surprised that every day I can come up with new additions to my list because I've, I, I, there are just so many and everybody is privileged, but I particularly want to use my privileges towards the greater fight, the greater conversation, and to help bring humanity and community together. So this podcast is really important to me to be able to educate ourselves and to keep us tighter just by blocking out those fears and those negative thoughts and to have conversations that help us evolve. So please do rate and review this podcast. I read every single review. And thank you for those of you who submitted your questions about finances. And I will continue this dialogue. And Amanda, we're going to be following you and supporting you. And I really appreciate you taking this time with my fans. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you.